and I, and I'm not suggesting that Ronaldo is the best player in the world, by the way. I'm suggesting Neymar is the best player in the world, but that's a, another debate for a different day. But, wow. um, um, big call, massive call. Yeah, it's call. a big call. We'll, come, we'll have to return to because we have a lot to talk <laughs> yeah. about in this pod, and that's another um, big I, one. I, I love the I, I love the way he just dropped that in there, so I mean, pass yes. it. <laughs> I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Ole Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello comrades and you're very welcome to the football spin. It's a football spin on a Sunday morning. It's been a few days since our last podcast and in that time, well, wow, wow, have we had a feast of footballing action. Uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's been every evening an amazing game of football, particularly the last couple of evenings. And we are going to be talking at length about City Leon, um, Barcelona against Bayern. Um, that incredible result, incredible game. And later on in the show as well, we'll talk about tonight's big game. Of course, United are going to be taking on Sevilla in the semi-finals of the Europa League, which is also a very important competition. Cannot be forgotten, Oz. It cannot. The most beautiful trophy, let us remember. That is right. So this isn't just going to be a Champions League bonanza. We'll get to the Europa League as well. And Oz is here, Ruben Pinder is here. Charles, I thought we could talk about start with City Leon, and I thought, let's talk about... Well, a man who has wandered the corridors of footballing purgatory for 28 long years. His name, of course, is a byword for the worst imaginable open goal miss a player can perpetrate. I mean, it's his name is evoked every single time a player at any level is faced with the gaping maw of an open goal. And the goalie and the defenders, they're gone elsewhere. They're not there. And for whatever reason, the player chooses to, you know, shoot it wide over against the crossbar. So um, I am, of course, talking about the ghost of Rocket, Ronnie Rosenthal's incredible miss. And will this morning be the morning he finds peace? And by the record, Ronnie Rosenthal's still alive. I'm just talking about the ghost of the miss, not the ghost of the man. Just want to be clear about that. <laughs> so Naz and Ruben, I've reviewed both uh, the footage. So both Rosenthal's miss, the grainy square footage from that bygone era in 1992. And last night's jaw-dropping uh, open goal miss from Raheem Sterling. And I can confirm that Rosenthal still has it, lads. Because, to be fair to Raheem Sterling, it, it does come at him very fast. Like, not incredibly fast that he couldn't, like a player at his level, wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to put it in the net. But the thing about Rosenthal, and when you go back, he rounds the keeper and he has so much time to stick that ball into a net. He's right in the middle of the goal. Whereas Sterling was a little over to the left. So, uh, March on, uh, Rocket Ronnie. This is still, it's still yours, the open goal miss. What what do we think of, uh, what did we think of uh, poor Raheem Sterling's uh, very embarrassing miss for City? Which, of course, then was immediately followed by Leon going up into the field and scoring a goal. Football, it's a funny old game, etc. Actually, I mean, I, I, I felt bad for him to be honest. It's, it's 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 one of those things, and like you say, like like as much as like it is a terrible miss, and there's no way of getting around that. Like like it was, it, it happened very quickly, and it was like an instinctive sort of uh, effort. And 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 I make no excuses for him, but it's it's that thing of like 
of like it, it sort of very quickly resulting in uh, the, the the sort of uh, lead being even even greater because like straight afterwards like um, obviously um, Leon scores and uh, it's just it's it's a bit of a pity that it happened to him just because like he's he's such a he's such a good sort of um, personality for the for the game and for the English game and like and like he does so much good and sort of like. Uh, uh, the fact that he's got the bravery to st- sort of stand up for certain things, even though he he knows he gets criticism, and uh, I can't, I don't even know who it was, but like there was, there was some, it might have been like a Scottish journalist or somebody said said something like, um, "Oh, uh, is no one going to say it? Okay, I'll say it. Maybe if uh, maybe if Sterling worried uh, m- um, less about being a um, a social justice warrior and more about scoring goals, he, he might he might hit that in." Oh, and it's fuck's like, sake. like, 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 <laughs> gen- like genuinely, reach. but this, but that's the thing, like, like you expect that kind of ironic statement from like just, just like, like if you look hard enough on social media, you'll find it. But like, like this, this was sort of like, uh, this, this was like a journalist with like, like a decent following, and and just to even think that before even typing it out, it's just so ridiculous because like, like fuck off, like, like in as if in that moment, like. Like uh, Sterling's like uh, mind is consumed with sort of um, I don't know the inequalities of life or whatever. Um, it just and, and again like like one of the unfair things and and it's not this is just this just happens because it's natural and like that's the way people think. But like everyone now is talking about Sterling rather than I think I think the goalkeeper I think Edison's got got away with it quite. Um, Quite easily in, in in a lot of ways, like no one's really talking about like his 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 sort of fumble is talked about in passing, but uh, but you'd expect far more focus to be on that, and no, no one's really talking about it. It's going up the field though, isn't it? It's the sequence of events that that, that probably has put it into kind of a sharper focus, and just even just to respond to what that that moronic statement from your man, like we should be allowed to savour one of the, the glories of football, which are open goal misses, because they are incredible when you see them, like when you see any professional footballer uh, missing when they, you know that you're the classic McGranny would have scored that one. Or you, as you often would say, I would have scored that one. No, I definitely wouldn't have. None, I'm, I don't know about Ruben. Um, Nas, would you, score, would you have scored that one? Ruben could be really good, actually. Um, Ruben's. I, I, I don't know if you if you actually are you aware that Ruben's sort of like done a bit of uh, training. I think he's trained with. Uh, I think he's trained with Will Sahar as well. Is that true? <laughs> oh yes, I do have some. Yeah, I remember uh, that video. I went in goal and he took some penalties against me. Um, one of which was with a cabbage. Um, he wasn't best placed. <laughs> <there. laughs> um, Oh yes, but I kept most of them out. Never um, meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <no>. But yeah, <laughs> these, these, these misses just happen. They they happen, don't they? Like they yeah, just happen. Yeah. They, they've happened to. Do you remember Torres for Chelsea when he rounded De Gea, and then just put it wide in the strap for them? Ryan Giggs, I think, missed, had a similar miss way back against Arsenal, um, where you just put it over the bar, a bit like the the Ronnie Rosenthal one, and. People like, yeah, it's a bad miss, and if you don't like City, it's kind of funny. And the fact that they went up the other end and scored immediately does, as you say, put it into sharper focus. I just wish it was somebody else, not Sterling, because the extra focus on him, like Noz has alluded to, is just, oh, it's just, it's so annoying because it kind of reminds you like how much people um, irrationally dislike him, and that is just a bit sad to see. 
so this is uh, City's fourth Champions League failure in a row where they've not made the semi-finals of the Champions League. Monaco, Liverpool, Tottenham and now Lyon have all ended their hopes. And it's quite the indictment against Pep Guardiola, uh, Ruben, isn't it? Because, I mean, obviously he has arrived with an incredible reputation in England. Man talks, a very good game of football. And his teams play really good football as well. And going into this game, there did seem to be a sort of a, a groundswell of belief amongst English media, at least, that this could be City's year. And then to go out to Leon, it does feel like this is a, a huge blow because it's not going out to Juve, it's not going out to Bayern or any of the super clubs of Europe. We'll get to that in a moment. So, like, I mean, where does Guardiola stand after this? Um. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because he ha- it, it looks bad that he hasn't got to the semi-finals for so long, and and he should, uh, he should have got there um, with all the money at his disposal and the investment in the team, and you know his reputation as a coach should have got City to the semis um, over the past few years. I think in each case, um, like his first season at City was a bit not a, it wasn't a write-off, but like their squad was nowhere near the level that that he wanted it. And Monaco were particularly brilliant. Um, the Tottenham game last year was chaotic, and they they conceded too many goals, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So none of those were particularly embarrassing disasters. I think they were just kind of just the chaotic nature of football kind of um, got in their way. But last night, what I found a bit more interesting was the fact that like how much he changed their system. I know he does this for big games. He's done it against Liverpool a few times in the Premier League. Um, he's probably done it more often in Europe. But like he would, he never used to do this at Barcelona because their team was so dominant that everybody would react to them. Uh, but he's done it at Bayern when playing against Barcelona, actually. And he's done it at City a lot where suddenly he will just kind of tear up his own system and deploy his players in a new one. So like yesterday, he played a back three with two defensive midfielders in front of them and Walker playing much higher and wider than he has done all season. Um, Cancelo, obviously, is is a good fullback, but he's right-footed and he's playing out wide left. That's a problem that obviously needs to be fixed in the window. They need a left-back, but it just seems really odd that... Like, have you ever seen Pep deploy three holding midfielders in one game? Like, Fernandinho obviously was playing in the back three, but Rodri Gunduan and Fernandinho, no, neither Silva nor Foden on the pitch. It seems like too often he second guesses himself in these in these big games and goes into reactive mode when he for so long he's been like the, the protagonist of football. Like his style of play has influenced how so many other teams want to play and everybody's copied his system. But then suddenly when it gets to a knockout tie, he kind of he not bottles it. I don't want to use that phrase, but he just kind of he second guesses himself and goes, "We we need to match their shape tonight." Um, which is probably why I played that three five or three four three system yesterday. Is that Leon play a back three as wing backs? And I don't know what it is about that system, but managers will often just mirror the formation to nullify it um, a lot more than they will with any other systems. I think you know just kind of. Um, in terms of outnumbering or not being outnumbered um, in sort of one striker versus three centre-backs, etc. So I can I can understand the logic behind 
going three at the back when you play a team that plays three at the back. But like Leon and Leon are obviously a brilliant team. They knocked out Juventus and they knocked out City. And if Liga had finished, they probably wouldn't have come seventh. Um, I think it helps that Manchester Depay and Rain Adelaide recovered from their ACL injuries, obviously, in during lockdown. But um, Leon are obviously good, but are City not good enough that they can just play their best team in a four-three-three and go out and and Man City them? Like you, you'd expect if City played their best team in that four-three-three, um, as they did. Well, it's hard to say what their best team is anymore, but you know the the system that they're all really familiar with. Um, the one that beat Real Madrid, that they probably would have won. Um, so yeah, that Pep's, Pep's uh, tactics really, really baffled me. And then obviously it wasn't helped by um, Sterling's miss, Edison having an off night, and the um, I, I say I think the third goal was probably generous, generously allowed, but that's just me. I think the thing, I mean the thing with Pep is that uh, Pep Guardiola is it's such a uh, every conversation about him uh, is so polemic. Like, like if if you criticize anything about him, you're seen as questioning one of the greatest managers of all time, and, and therefore, how dare you? Um, and 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 if and if you if you defend him, then you then you're some kind of some kind of fanboy. Um, I mean, I mean, like sometimes sometimes it's just fucking obvious. Like, like, like uh, we've we've seen the. Uh, Guillaume Balaguer tweet, which uh, which reads like the Daily Mail trying to trying to defend Boris Johnson. Uh, he goes, imagine this. He, he says analysis will look at uh, at the city result, not the performance. Imagine this: Sterling scores, Edison holds the ball instead of fumbling it. Referee considers that someone who let the ball between their legs is intervening intervening with the move. Um, but analysis analysis will say Pep's fault. And then he's done one of those sort of like confused emojis. Um, it was like like Pep Guardiola is to blame. Like like like, and, and that doesn't that doesn't stop the, that doesn't stop him being one of the greatest managers of all time. That just means he got it wrong. Like going back to going back to sort of Raheem Sterling's miss, and and and, and obviously in fact, uh, Ian Balaguer sort of references that and sort of suggests that oh, if if Sterling had scored, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, people wouldn't be having a go at, uh, at Guardiola. It sort of, it totally, lo- it looks at everything in complete isolation and doesn't join the dots. Like maybe the reason why why Raheem Sterling uh, snatched at that shot is because um, City weren't playing their normal game, and therefore every chance that they got became so massively vital, and 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 therefore it puts it in the attacker's mind this i have to score this and it puts that extra pressure on them whereas if city were playing that their normal game it'll be it'll be a case of well it, it's complete relaxation when we know we're good we know we're going to score i'm i'm going to slide this in because there's no problem I'll, I'll get another chance or somebody else will get another chance in the next five to ten minutes um but the very fact that's that he that that even like I mean I mean the defensive thing was was sort of strange enough but like to how in a situation like that to have Bernardo Silva, uh, um, Davi Silva, um, Foden all on the bench like that quality on the bench, and you go out of course people are going to ask questions and even and even in terms of like uh, changing the game the fact that he only made two substitutions, um, and. But and and Bernardo Silva didn't see a minute of the game, 
uh, Foden didn't see a minute of the game. He brought it. It obviously wasn't working, and it and and it was obvious that 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 city system wasn't working midway through the first half. And yet, the first change he makes is around is around about the hour mark. So 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 that, so that essentially means that Leon only have to play City with with, with a decent number of uh, creative players on the pitch. For the last half hour, so 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 essentially, City have made it. City have made the game half an hour long, as as well as being behind. Um, the fact that you've got you've got David David Silva, this club legend, this Rolls Royce of a player, comes on with with six minutes to go, and 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 this isn't sort of this isn't this sprightly attacker or this or this or this this forward with amazing pace that's that's just going to immediately impact the game. This is this is this is a, a a playmaker who controls the tempo of games, who 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 isn't the type of player you bring on to have an immediate impact. He 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 would meet first of all, it would benefit him to be on the on the pitch already. So he so he knows the tempo of the game. He knows uh he knows the lay of the land. But to bring him on bring him on on in a hectic uh, situation where suddenly he's got to take control of the game that he's not been involved in, it's massively unfair. So. Of course you, of course you criticize uh, Guardiola for that, and 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 and, and like the thing is, usually in this situation, you, it's very easy to say that the that the that the big team that lost took the smaller team lightly, or they uh, they didn't give them enough sort of uh, credit or whatever, but in this situation, it feels as if Guardiola gave gave Leon far too much respect, to the point where. It's kind of like, do you not trust your own team? And and it's interesting what uh, what Ruben said about um, at Barcelona, he didn't tend to do that because uh, other teams adjusted for Barcelona. Yet he's done it since he's left uh, Barcelona with 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 his other teams. And 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 you start to wonder, is it a case that he doesn't he doesn't have the belief in these teams as much as he he had the belief in Barcelona that that we're just good enough and and and, and other teams will will change will change for us and. Uh, and again, like it's interesting that sort of it was a couple of months ago that uh, that City changed their obviously obviously Arteta went to Arsenal and they brought in this veteran and, and and Ruben probably knows far more than me brought in this uh, this veteran Spanish sort of maverick uh, manager um, Juanma Leo um, and 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 he's like he's like he's like mid fifties and he's meant to be this cantankerous sort of philosophical sort of purist that, that sort of loves sort of gameplay. He, he, he loves game theory. He loves like this idea of sort of like tactics being this big philosophical thing. And and Guardiola brought brought him in because because he's he's one of Guardiola's main mentors. Whereas before Guardiola had brought in younger managers who he could mentor. And you just wonder whether that had some kind of impact where where he where Guardiola's playing off this veteran manager who just loves who just loves to be sort of overly clever, clever, and and a combination of both of them, or even just Guardiola running um, by himself, just decided that this needed to be his big galaxy moment, galaxy brain moment. Pep is someone who thinks and thinks and thinks about football every second of every day. Basically, like the books that have been written about him say, like you can go out to dinner with him, but after half an hour, his mind is completely gone and. He's thinking about the, you know, the left back of his next opponent and how best to um, exploit his flaws and stuff. And I think that level of obsession is obviously what you need to be a really successful football manager. But maybe for him, occasionally it counts against him because he 
he think he overthinks everything to the extent that he, as Nod says, starts to not trust his own players. Um, Barney Rone from the Guardian tweeted: "20 years from now, Guardiola is going to overthink one of these games so hard that he'll accidentally play his normal team and win." And and it does feel a bit like that because it when I saw the lineup, I was kind of like, "Oh, he, he's done it again. He's done it again." And then I thought, after about after at half time. Bernardo or Foden will come on and he'll revert. But he didn't do it. Well, I mean, he brought David Silver on, as you say, but not soon enough. No English, Italian or Spanish clubs in the semi-finals of the Champions League. It's been a big competition for the little guys. And speaking of which, Kylian Mbappe, that plucky underdog playing for that underdog club in Paris, has tweeted about, well, Ruben... Farmers League and then three hand clap emojis for his arch rivals, <laughs> Olympic Lyonnais, which is interesting in itself. Uh, your thoughts on Mbappe's uh, his little moment there? Um, I find it interesting that you think PSG have domestic rivals. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, I think it's a lot more. Um, I think it's a, a lot more divided in England and you know just with Premier League teams about. Or you, if you support the English team because you know you're English, and even if you are a fan of someone else, like you're kind of somehow less of a fan or whatever, I don't really care about that debate. But um, I think he's it, Mbappe is fair in this statement that people mock Liga for being, um, you know, lacking in quality, and they've got two teams in the Champions League semi-finals. So why not? Uh, rub it in and goad everybody because you know he, he's not wrong, is he? But um, there is a criticism of Liga to be had that there is no competitiveness for the, the league title. There are good teams in Liga, um, as we've seen, but it's just PSG is so far ahead of them. Um, or, or, you know, in terms of resources and everything, which is why they win the league by such a big margin, um, and they won both cups this year as well but if Lyon were to meet PSG in the final then you know as we've seen Lyon can 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 beat anyone on their day so it would be pretty funny if if Lyon were to beat PSG but um yeah it's just it's a it's a good funny tweet from Mbappe um it's elite level trolling I think and what about Dembele he's come back and Moussa Dembele the Lyonet forward getting involved as well yeah, love um, love it when brands is... when brands interact on Twitter. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, Dembele, Dembele's representatives have um, logged into his Twitter account and replied to him. Let them talk with the eye rolling emoji, which I I don't know whether this is coincidental or whether this is actually elite trolling from Dembele. Whether he's alluding to De Bruyne's little outburst a couple of seasons ago at halftime in the Champions League. When um, he went over to the ref, I think, and complained about something, and Fernandinho and David Silva were like, "No, no, come on, let's go inside, let's go inside." And he, with with the screeching tone of of a toddler, um, shouted, "Let me talk!" And it it just became a meme. It just became a meme. And if if that's what Dembele is is alluding to, then then he's got so much respect from me. <laughs> I think we'll go with that. Um, okay, let's move on to Barca against Bayern, which 
no matter how you look at it, obviously it has it's the game, the result that launched it, a thousand terrible puns. Although, can I just start off by saying the whole A2 and A to B, etc., a Barca fan. Uh, it was, and I did, this was a bit of confusion. So first of all, Nas, Football Joe's account tweeted an hour before the result. So I think it might have been, might have been, was it 3-1 or, uh, I'm not sure, was it 3-1 or 4-1 possibly? But it, it, they tweeted, um, me in an hour's time, it to be a Barcelona fan. So they got in there early with the joke. An hour before the, this, this actual, you know, iconic result was was set and I got straight in there onto the account because Ruben then tweeted it and I said I thought this was Nostradamus because it had all your your hallmarks nods it was funny and also weirdly uh, <laughs> clairvoyant it wasn't it, it, it wasn't me it wasn't me I know I know oh, Ruben yeah. came back uh, Ruben the way Ruben had tweeted it it looked like Ruben was claiming credit for it so I thought well, well congratulations Ruben that is impressive and then Ruben had to say no actually I was just calling it out it was actually another member of Joe team Wayne Farry so again look we're all we just got to get in there and say that it's Wayne Farry who I, was, I, I was I'm so disappointed there because when you said another member of, of, of the Joe team I thought you're gonna leave it there I, I, I thought he didn't even deserve the name being spoke. <laughs> No, no, no. He has to be given his due after Ruben tried to take his credit. That's, that's I didn't try to take anybody's credit. I'm not having this. I quoted it and wrote yes in, in celebration because I don't know, Ruben. Know. It looked awfully like that was a man that was celebrating his own genius. Oh, well, all right, fine. Well, no, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Wayne's success is also my success. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, well, let's get into it because um, it is a huge result uh, for Barcelona. And I, you kind of look at this and you think, okay, because in, when you get a result like this, the first thing you do is like, who is the villain? Like, who is to blame? We need we need somebody to throw cabbages at, rotten cabbages at, keeping the cabbage team going here. Um, so let's start with, um, let's start with Leo Messi. Um, I, I, I think, and I mean, I've seen this sentiment out there, Ruben. Like, was Friday night the moment where, let's be fair, the greatest of all time um, argument, which has raged on, but where was Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo? Probably a good night for him as he sat up and watched that game on his television in his in his lair. Fair to say that Ronaldo is now the greatest of all time? No. What? No, no. I mean, all right, I, I know, I know you. You're you're trolling me, but it, it's working. No, no, um, <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, Ronaldo went out in the previous round to to Leon, didn't he? Um, who, as we've established, good side, but still, um, I think if you if you replace Ronaldo with Messi in that Barcelona team, they probably get pumped just as badly. Um, there there is something to be said though. I think Messi is undoubtedly the greatest player of all time, but there is something to be said that maybe now he's not the best player in the world anymore. If you get me. Um, just because physically, um, like, it's not his fault that Barcelona were completely devoid of any intensity. Um, he's 33. He's, you know, he's so good on the ball that they should uh, build around him as teams do Ronaldo to make sure that he doesn't have to do that much pressing off the ball. Um, but I think physically... And, I, and I'm not suggesting that Ronaldo is the best player in the world, by the way. I'm suggesting Neymar is the best player in the world. But that's a, another debate for a different day. But, wow. um, um, Big goal. 
Massive yeah, it's call. a big call. Come, we'll have to return to because we have a lot to talk yeah. about on this pod, and that's another um, big one. I, I, love the, I love the way he just dropped that in there, sort of in passing. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, pe- I don't want people to 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 think that I'm some sort of Ronaldo fan, which I'm not. So um, just have to make that clear. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, basically Barcelona are shit because they they have a very old team, uh, badly set up, I thought. But regardless, like they would have been destroyed. Um, they've got a very old team that only knows how to play possession football. It doesn't have the energy pressed off the ball. And as all the best teams in the modern era have shown, you cannot play this. Um, you cannot play possession football if you're not going to press off it because it just makes you completely, I don't know, like you, like you, you're not, you're not a sit back and counter team, and you're not a swashbuckling, you know, attacking team. Like you have to press when you lose the ball because otherwise your your high line is just completely exposed. Like all the best teams do it. Like you see how many times Bayern nick the ball off. Um, one of Barcelona's defenders, or Ter Stegen ended up chipping it into space, and Thiago would just pick it up um, because Barcelona was so kind of they can't they could, just couldn't handle the intensity of Bayern Munich, and it's no individual player's fault. It's the fault of um, many years of terrible transfers leading to them still having the same core that they had the last time they won the Champions League but they're all five years older and none of them can move anymore, basically. Suarez can't move. Suarez scored, a, 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 he can finish, but he can't move. Like he's, been, he's been very frustrating for Barcelona all season. Not terrible, but just frustrating because he doesn't make the runs that he used to. Um, but obviously he's still a good finisher. Messi can't move anymore, as we've established. Um, Arturo Vidal has no business playing for Barcelona. Um, he... He's he he's basically Paulinho from a couple of years ago. He just because he's there, they play this like weird flat four midfield, and all he is is a pair of legs to do Messi's running for him. But even he's not very good anymore, Vidal, because he, he he can't he can't even do the running that he's brought in to do. Busquets can't move. De Jong's a De Jong's a great talent, but isn't really surrounded by enough other kind of dynamism for it to be channeled properly. PK you, you, you talk you, you, you talk about um the, the transfer sort of the bad transfer activity Ruben uh the, the whole Coutinho situation in that game sort of exemplifies that doesn't it? Oh massively. Oh my god. Proper salt in the wound stuff that isn't it. Um I think was it uh Rory Smith tweeted like Andre Scherler will come on after 80 minutes just and score a couple just because everyone else has Stop trying because it's getting a bit embarrassing. And then later tweeted, and today Andre Scherler will be played by Felipe Coutinho. <laughs> it, was, it was so like that um, that seven one in in twenty fourteen, wasn't it? And and Coutinho almost looked embarrassed to have scored. I mean, it didn't stop him doing it, but <laughs> he did look a little bit like uh, he like he didn't really smile. He's he was kind of hiding his face among all the hugs. Um, and but yeah, like. Not even just. Is there, the is there a, just on Coutinho? Isn't there something whereby he has triggered another, a clause in his contract now? Um, if if Bayern win the Champions League, then oh, he, Bar- Barca have to pay Liverpool five million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're and they're because, already skinned. 
Yeah, because he will have won it while contracted to Barcelona. Oh, um, I feel like there should be another clause in that that's like he has to be wearing a Barcelona shirt when he wins <laughs> the Champions League. But um, just another example of terrible mismanagement at Barcelona. Okay, well, look at I mean, uh, in who's the villain? Let's move on to Kike Setien. I read this quote from an insider. There's always a, there's always a couple. Um, about the dressing room where Setien has not met any friends in the dressing room, I think this was on the BBC, since his appointment in January, with key members of the squad, including Leo Messi, reluctant to follow the significant tactical changes he was hoping to instigate. Has That's pretty much every Barcelona manager since Messi was like 19. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a tough gig. It's a massively tough gig. Setien is not the villain here. There are plenty of managers that are good before they go to Barcelona and good when good after they leave. Um, it's just it's just a bit of a poison chalice at the moment um, for various factors, but he's not the villain. Like he he'll get sacked, and they obviously need changes from top to bottom. But um, it's not it, like to put even even more than half of the blame on him would be insane. I was just going to say, like like the, the the whole thing with Setien is 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 like he he will now he will now be the face. He'll be now, and he will now be the face of this of this Nadir in uh, in Barcelona's history, and 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 uh, like inevitably Barcelona will will, will come back um, in some way because just because they ha- they have to, and and they can't be this bad, they they can't continue to be this bad, and they will sort of reinvent themselves and stumble upon something that's slightly better than than what you've got now. But so, so this this will this result will always be held up. As like a, a a low point in their history, and and he will always be the face of that, and 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 there's, and there's something sort of really cruel about that. Um, it's it, it, I suppose it's it's as cruel as as like uh, the host of a podcast just bringing up like like Ronnie Rosenthal just just at home enjoying sort of like I don't know like his hummus and he's <laughs> he's enjoying his hummus and olives just sort of like mind his own business sort of of a morning, and suddenly for no reason other than somebody else has has, has done a shit mistake. He gets, he yeah. gets, he he gets a uh, he gets a load of abuse. It's a little bit like that. <sighs> Poor Ronnie. Oh, and I should have been, I should have, I should have given him some kind of sucker early on when yeah. I didn't mention him. But uh, yeah, we're thinking of. Well, I know he's a fan of the show because obviously he's always <laughs> tweeting us and whatnot. But, uh, you, but he, before he, we leave, he, he probably clicked on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's clicked off it now. Well, that's yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, before we leave, you say about the face of Barcelona. And Setien, because you know every TV camera is trained on his face. There's no, and you know what I've actually noticed is because there's no fans in the ground, the TV directors they can't go to any fans to tell that visual picture. So, and even I, I was particularly so. I think it was the. I think it might have been the playoff victory for Swansea. You're no, it's actually the FA Cup win. You're with the players for so long after the final whistle because there's nowhere else to cut to. And it was the same for Setting. You just see that, like, the, the look of a man who was staring into the abyss. So many times it cuts to him. And it's funny because I don't know what club president Joseph Maria Bartomeu looks like. I just I just can't picture in my mind. I'm sure if I saw, oh, that's the guy. And yet in this who's the villain piece um, of, all, of everybody we've spoken about, we haven't spoken about him yet, but Ruben, he is the man that oversees all of this. Yeah, he's a club president and it's mostly his fault. Um, he he said after the game, today was a disaster and now we have to make decisions. We've already thought about some of them. 
Um, and then he said, we want to apologize to the fans, members. I'm not going to say what decisions they are because some of them have already been made and others will be made. Today's a day to reflect. From tomorrow, we'll try to lift the spirit to the fans and we'll make decisions from next week. If you want to lift the spirit to the fans, leave the club because they all hate you. Like, he is the problem. And not just him, the board in general, but mostly him. Um, and and the recruitment process and the fact that he's talking like that, which um, Laporta, one of their old presidents and someone who's considering running next year to return, describes that his comments as, as coward, cowardly. Um, like he's right because he's trying to he's trying to pass the buck. It's like this is a culmination of five years of terrible decisions, all like you know just building up into one humiliating defeat. And and yeah, PK said they hit rock bottom, and that's what it was. But Bartomeu talking like that as if um, so, guys. Like it, it's like that that sketch, and I think you should leave. It's like we're all trying to figure out who did this. It's like it was you. <laughs> um, fuck. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't have they don't have presidential elections for another twelve months, which is the the worrying thing from a Barcelona fan point of view, um, because they need they need not only do they need like to get rid of old players and bring in new ones, they need like a new strategy and new people to implement that strategy. Um, Ruben, have, have um Barcelona got like like a strong core of like um like like ultras who who will make their feelings sort of known. Um, not, not really. Um, it's a bit more like, it's a bit more like Real Madrid in that sense. I think the fans will all, you know, if they don't like what they see at the, at the new camp, they'll all whistle. Um, oh no, don't whistle. Don't whistle at us. Yeah. <laughs> obviously there's none, but yeah, you know what I mean though? Like they will make yeah, yeah. their opinions heard, but I don't think there is like a lead tiny, well, like a small group of ultras that have, um, Sort of huge influence on a club. I think it's more um, the club are probably more responsive to to their stock price than than any fan messages. I think it, I, what I found interesting uh, listening to to both of you speak there was um, uh, Paddy. You made the point about like there being no fans there. So so in terms of like uh, TV sort of producers um, to to gauge a reaction, they have to go to the to the fan. Uh, sorry, they have to go to the players. They have to go to the to the manager and, and 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 so therefore you see far more reaction shots than you normally would um and obviously like there's this whole sort of focus as as it as they inevitably would be around like how Messi's reacting how Messi's looking and like he's 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 kind of naturally got like this sort of like um like morose like dirty dog sort of, sort of like uh <coughs> just quite upset with himself sort of look quite quite in in, in um introvert in that respect and and I just think I've got a theory about the optics of both Ronaldo and Messi, which I think is exemplified by the reaction last night. Is I think because Messi uh, isn't that sort of uh, animated and 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 it isn't sort of there shouting at everyone on the pitch, it looks as if he's just uh, made his peace with a bad result, or or it looks as if he's not bothered or anything like that. He he he's very poker faced in that in that respect. So, so people watching it can think, oh, he's just resigned himself to, to the result. He's not asked. Whereas Ronaldo uh, goes out of his way to gurn, to gesticulate, to blame others, to, to sort of like, 
like a bratty teen um and, and nowhere was that more exemplified was it, it was it um was it euro 2016 euro, yeah euro 2016 where 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 he was injured or something and then he he was basically making a big show of himself managing the team on the touchline and and and, and obviously like he's a passionate guy there was there was a genuine feeling with that within that but he knew what he was doing he knew that the cameras were on him and 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 in a way it was almost uh, undermining the, the the manager next to him so so i i think i think the just optically some people can assume that ronaldo uh is is having more of an impact doing things like that and 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 perhaps cares more by doing things like that but but quite often that can just be differences in personality who knows? The Portuguese players that night might have thought, "Would you shut the fuck up, mate? Like we've got a game plan." Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there was another debate a bit like that on Twitter recently, where somebody posted a clip of Ronaldo getting really upset. Um, yeah, he was wearing a Juventus shirt and he was getting really upset on the pitch and basically almost crying. And somebody put it up like, "Oh, you know, this determination to win is why." He's, you know, is why he's so successful, one of the best athletes of all time, and everything. And they, and it was implied that it was like the Leon loss, but that was just him responding to getting a red card two years ago um, <laughs> against Valencia, I think, in Champions League, and him just being a big baby. Um, so yeah, you're right. The optics do definitely sway the narrative. Whereas Messi would have been raging inside. Yeah. Um, it's because it's humiliating for him on a personal level, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Um, and he doesn't deserve that. I think he should leave this summer. He doesn't deserve to spend his last two years at the top level going through a rebuild that should have happened over the last five. Like, I think it's underappreciated how big of an achievement it was for him to drag Barcelona to the to league titles in the previous two years. Obviously, Real Madrid beat them to it this year. But this Barcelona team has been, this crisis has been brewing for ages and he's won them league titles on the way. And now that suddenly it's all come to the fore and they're, and they're, they're as bad as they are, um, he will get, he'll, he'll almost get, um, his reputation will suffer because of that. But I think what he's done in recent years is impressive and he deserves, like he doesn't owe the club anything. They owe him everything. He should just leave and, Go to PSG, reunite with Neymar, and just have a load of fun. I suppose. I suppose what you're saying is is the difference between Ronaldo and Messi is is uh, is Ronaldo would take credit for somebody else's tweet, whereas Messi wouldn't. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Look, before we go <clears throat> uh, from this section of the show, because we, we'll get on to United in a moment, I just want to mention Thomas Muller as well. Scored twice and. Um, I really like Thomas Muller's uh, post-match utterances. Well, Nas, he's uh, he is an interesting character. He's he's kind of an hilarious character, really, isn't he? Oh, he's 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 amazing. Like like he's the great thing about him is that is that you get the sense that he's he's very much sort of uh, it's an inside joke. Like like he knows he's being corny. He knows he's being lame. <laughs> and yeah. and as as we all know, there is nothing funnier and more attractive in any person than. Uh, to to have the confidence to, to to a know who you are and b be able to to mock yourself. But um, yeah, we in Bayern we have uh, Robert Levan Lewandowski. You know Robert Lewandowski. First of all, it's the way he repeats it, and then he's got like this this gormless smile. But 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 then it's all it's also the, the whole look, like the the visual of him like with like about like eight 
um, eight buttons undone on his shirt. He, he, he's like he's like this uh, he's like this bloke. Like he's like this, he's like this dad or this bloke that's sort of like at, at like some sort of dinner um, dinner party, and and he's had a few a few too many wines, and then he just finds himself absolutely hilarious. Now we did promise that we would get to the um, the other European competition, just as important, beautiful trophy. It's of course Europa League, and tonight's the night United take on Sevilla. Now, as I was looking at the the teams that United have put to the sword in the Europa League so far. Partizan, AK Alkmaar, Astana, Bruges, Lask, and FC Copenhagen. It's fair to say tonight is quite the step up. Oh, definitely. Like it, it, it's proper sort of specialist in this uh, trophy, obviously, and uh, and like it, it's it, it's out out of the four teams that are left in the tournament now. Sort of uh, regardless of how much money they've got, regardless of all the big stars that some of the teams might have. Or, or the other sort of uh, history, like I suppose it could be argued that Sevilla are the best team in terms of playing as a team, knowing who they are, knowing what their identity are, and so I think I think it'll be a it'll be a really tough uh, challenge for, for United, but also a a good challenge. Like like I think uh, both uh, in terms of winning the trophy and and also uh, um, showing where they are in terms of European football and domestic football, it's a really it's a really positive, strong challenge for them to see whether they're they're up to it or not. Um, Ruben, Sevilla are the epitome of a like a a team because there aren't necessarily like standout players. They just have really good players in lots of different positions. And you know, even Eber Banega, he's been around a long time, but he's like one of their main guys. I mean, what what who who should United be looking out for tonight? And and how do you how do you beat Sevilla? Um, yeah, Benega is brilliant, and uh, against Wolves um, and uh, his previous game, Leverkusen. Um, in those games, Benega was was very good. Um, there are other players, so like Benega will kind of dictate the tempo. He'll be their sort of midfield metronome, so he needs to be looked out for. And uh, Ocampos on the left wing is their other star attacker. So those are the two players I think United need to pay most attention to. Um, I so what United have done in a lot of big games this year is gone three at the back and played Dan James or you know you'd, you'd hope tonight they would play Rashford and Martial as kind of wide forwards in a front two and I think it suits a lot of players in a team to do that and it gives them a little bit of extra security defending um, it gives Maguire a little bit more support either side um, so I think United could end up doing that again. It's just a matter of because when they've done that in the past, I don't think Pogba's played. Um, but there's no reason why they couldn't do that now. It would mean dropping slash resting a forward because I think United do look knackered. So I think a more conservative formation. I mean, it might mean they do loads more running off the ball, and I might be chatting nonsense. But I think they won't necessarily be able to play the same team that they played in the last game, but purely out of fatigue. So it might make more sense to maybe maybe even drop Wan-Bissaka in at, at right centre-back and play Dan James as a wing-back. Um, I don't know. Um, but I think the best chance of beating Sevilla is probably to go for a contain and counter um, tactic rather than try to dominate um, Sevilla because it's going, to be, it's going to be hot. They're tired anyway. Sevilla are better at keeping the ball than they are. So I think 
Solskjaer should and probably will revert to his big game tactic of going three at the back and counter-attacking. You see, it's, I, I, what I find interesting in what you've just said, Ruben, is is that I, I kind of agree that, th- that that makes sense in terms of changing the formation slightly and team slightly. But also, I think what United have shown uh, in recent games is they've not got, once they play their, their sort of best 11, um, they've not got anyone to come off the bench who can make a difference. So you almost feel as if like, uh, and and this this is like a total contradiction to the to the city debate we've had. It's almost like they need to leave at least one player in reserve because there's no one on the bench. So just just an exciting player who can come off the bench and make a difference. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we said this um, we said this on one of them on one of the recent podcasts, didn't we? Like their bench is is dreadful um, and has and there's no depth on it. So you know maybe tonight they leave Greenwood on the bench. They play three five two, um, and after. 70 minutes if it's still a draw Greenwood comes on for Martial or Rashford or or even Bruno you know depending on how tired he is and and can make an impact off the bench with a bit of fresh legs because if you start all of them and then your only impact sub is Jesse Lingard then it doesn't quite have the same effect yeah, I'm sure you'll agree what the only the only I mean one positive thing I'd say about United tonight is is that like Usually, like with with these one-off games, you kind of think it favors the underdog because 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 like anyone can win one game. But but like if we're sort of nominally looking at United as as like the favorites, I I still think a one-off game will probably suit United more than Sevilla because I'd expect Sevilla to beat United over two legs just because they are the better team at the moment. Whereas United are United are perhaps more um, able to have those special moments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the one-legged thing is interesting how it's affected different teams because um, I think as I think the results have shown that it does help the maybe the underdog a little bit. Um, and it's weird to think of United as underdogs, but um, but I guess I guess they are, um, especially in the Europa League. That's Sevilla's bread and butter. So yeah, I think I think the one-legged aspect could could help them in that sense. And uh, as I said change up the system a little bit not to the extent that Pep does don't you know tear up but you know Solskjaer doesn't have a philosophy to tear up so um, <laughs> you know just, just tweak it tweak it like you have done for other big games and I think I think there should be there should stand a good chance Okay, um, before we go, I uh, I was uh, looking at um, some stats and I thought I'd put this poser to you just before we go uh, today, chaps. Alfonso Davies, of course, the Bayern Munich jet heeled left back, um, famously the fastest player in the history of the Bundesliga. Uh, you you see that earlier in the season um, for his surging runs. But interestingly, he wouldn't make the fastest player in the Premier League. Now, who is the fastest player in the Premier League for this season gone by? Adama Traore. Is a very good guess, and it's where I would have gone as well. But it, it's good, but it's oh, not right. Is it Carl Walker? Oh, like you haven't even given Nas a chance to guess. Fucking <laughs> hell! What is Sorry. this? If this was going for gold, you'd be disqualified. <laughs> I didn't realize how official this game was. <laughs> this is, it just stinks of your normal attitude of just sort of like hogging the glory, taking taking any advantage you can. Fucking ruthless. Palace fan, come can on! I ju- can I just say it, it was Kyle Walker? So no, it's, it's pointless now. You. I mean, I, I mean, I was going to say Dan James anyway, so I, was, I would have been wrong. But 
interestingly, if you judged it in December, uh, pushing my nerdy glasses up my nose here, the fastest player in the Premier League would have been Kagler Sionchu from Leicester City. But uh, over the season, uh, both uh, Adama Traore and uh, Kyle Walker nipped, n- nudged him out. So there you go. Um, I didn't, I didn't see him as a particularly fast in traffic. Although I do remember a couple of seasons ago, Phil Jagielka was the fastest player in the Premier League. He was like thirty-two, something about centre half. Yeah, I remember that. I think making a mistake and running very fast. Yeah, back going. I think it's because the ball will go over the head, and then suddenly they have to sprint thirty meters. Whereas fast fullbacks and wingers will will run. They'll they'll accelerate faster over shorter distances. Whereas centre backs will end up having like reaching their top speed as they hopelessly chase a striker um, who, fin- who, you know, scores a one-on-one. Um, Van Dijk is probably quicker than everyone, but just never has to sprint. I think Traore is like the only player that's ever made Van Dijk run at his full, full pace. Did um, you have? Um, did you have superstars? Was it superstars or sports stars? This that show where they got uh, sports stars to try other sports yeah, and yeah, then yeah. measure them up against each other. Was it called? Was it superstars? Was that? Sports? I don't remember this. I mean, it was even below. It was even before my time. But yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. So that's so ideally, what you would have is like line up all the fastest players in the Premier League for a hundred meters, and let's just let's just know for sure who is the fastest. It's it's a, it's a weird it's a weird one because I think back in the day. Like maybe like Mickey Quinn might have won it because like he 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 he's perhaps not the most athletic but like he was really zippy over like five <laughs> yards. He was Are you sure. Mickey on, Quinn. I don't on, think so. Honestly, put it out there on Twitter. I'm sure I'm sure somebody will will agree that Mickey Quinn, uh, for for, for all his uh, um, how would I put this? Yeah. <laughs> for for all for, for all of him. Like, like, like he, he, he yeah. when, when, he, when he got like over the, over the very short distance, he, he was yeah. rapid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this will, this will be one of those where it's like, oh, it was just before Opta started recording stats, <laughs> so it will be one of those where, like, yeah, well, it's believed that possibly, yes, there's some evidence there to suggest Mickey Quinn was one of the fastest players in footballing history, but we'll never know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay right okay listen it's been fun and thanks very much to Ruben Pinder and to Naz Chowdhury thanks to yourselves as well for listening if you haven't already done so click subscribe to never miss a show and we'll be back later in the week in fact we're back tomorrow um, to look back at United against Sevilla so we'll talk to you then good luck I think it would lift the spirits of the nation I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow bro it's people's lives are at risk Ole Gunnar where would you like the statue <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.